everyone, isn't it a great day to worship our God? Come on, let's give a shout of praise, everyone. Come on, like you mean it. Amen. Let me pray for us before we get started. My God, Father, we know that you are a way maker. Father, you are a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. And Father, your children gather together because we trust in you, O oh Lord. Because, Father, we love you, O oh Lord. And today, O oh God, we want to hear from you. So, Father, prepare us a heart of humility, a heart of meekness, so that we can receive your word. And may we be strengthened from your truth to live the life that you've called us to live. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, amen. amen. Let's give another shout of praise. Hey, well, welcome Christ Fellowship. It is great to see you. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at CF. And if you're joining us today for the very first time at online or maybe in one of our campuses, hey, thank you so much for joining us. We are starting a brand new series today called Ancient Stories. And sometimes when we look at Scripture, at these old stories from the Bible, we think that they may be antiquated, irrelevant for today. But the truth of the matter is that they have a lot to teach us on how to have healthy relationships today. And so in this series, we're going to be covering a lot of different relationships in our lives, parenting, marriage, grandparenting, friendship, singleness, all these things. But today, we're going to be talking about unity in marriage. And so I'm ready to dive into God's Word. I hope, you, I hope you are too. And so wherever you find yourself, let's open up our Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, and also Mark chapter 10, and you can follow along with me as I read. Listen to what God's Word says. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become what? One flesh. A little louder than that, shall become what? One flesh. And then listen to what the Lord said in Mark chapter 10. He said, so they are no longer two, but what? One but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. In other words, when God brought Adam and Eve together and he created this thing called marriage, he envisioned them to be one. He envisioned them to be in Divisible. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat at all campuses. You know, just a few weeks ago, uh, Camila, my little girl, uh, had her first day of school ever. Yeah, and uh, she went to her first day, K2, to Christ Fellowship Academy. And, you know, me and my wife, it was a special moment for me and Ashley. Which, by the way, if you're looking for a great education in a Christ-centered environment, Christ Fellowship Academy is a, the perfect place. So I would encourage you, check it out. I think you'll really, really enjoy it for your kids and for your friends. But one of the things that every child does every single morning at Christ Fellowship, uh, Christ Fellowship Academy is to recite a few pledges. And one of those pledges is the Pledge of Allegiance. In fact, how many of you remember the Pledge of Allegiance as a little kid? Yeah. Listen, I recited that thing so many times, it was embedded, right, into my mind and into my heart. But folks, let me just give you a brief history of how this pledge came to be. 
It was initially composed by Captain George Balch right after the Civil War. You see, being a witness of that gruesome and very divisive war, he thought it was necessary to create something that reminded ourselves what our founding fathers envisioned for us when they established this country. And so he wrote out the Pledge of Allegiance. You see, he, he knew that this nation, as they left that civil war, that they were going to face many seasons of difficulty, many challenges, many seasons that posed a device of feelings. But he wanted every single American son and daughter, listen, to, to be reminded daily of what our founding fathers envisioned, and that was that we were to be a, are to be a united nation. In fact, I was going to read the Pledge of Allegiance for us, but I, just, I thought, what's better than me reading a Pledge of Allegiance? You know what's better? Some of our CFA kids yeah. reading the Pledge of Allegiance. So I'm going to call some of our, our kindergartners out here. Hey, you can do a little better than that. Welcome them in here. That's right. Right over here. Let's shift right here. There we go. There we go. There we go. And there we go. All right. Listen, as they read the Pledge of Allegiance, all right, I want you to listen very carefully to the words of it, all right? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, for liberty and justice for all. Yeah. Great job, ladies. You guys were great. Go that way. Go that way. Come on. You can keep it going for a little longer for them, can't you? And family, I want to focus on three phrases from that Pledge of Allegiance. And here are the three phrases. It's one nation, under God, indivisible. In fact, say with me, one nation, one nation. Under, God. under God, indivisible. indivisible. And folks, do not miss the point because the Pledge of Allegiance is meant to remind us daily what our founding fathers wanted for us, that we would be one nation, under God, indivisible. And family, let me just bring all that over to our time together because what an image of what God's word does for us daily. And by that I mean that just like the Pledge of Allegiance was meant to remind us what our founding fathers had envisioned, right? One nation under God, indivisible. Listen, just like that. And here's the big idea for today as we dive into God's word. God, through his word, reminds us daily what our heavenly father envisioned for our marriages, that regardless of the difficulties that come along, regardless of the disappointments, of the discouragements, of the hard seasons ahead, 
Listen, that we will always be reminded that we are to have, be one marriage under God, indivisible. And who knows, maybe you're out there right now, you're saying, Omar, I'm tracking with you. And I understand this ideal of marriage that God envisions for us. But Omar, life happens. And there are fights, there are misunderstandings, there are trials in our marriages. So Omar, what do we need to know to achieve this ideal that God envisioned to, for our marriages? Well, we're going to find out from the book of Genesis, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 2. You can also fire up your Christ Fellowship apps and follow along with me. And today I have three thoughts for us on our marriages. So write this down as point number one. The first thing you need to know is that God's highest priority in your marriage, listen carefully, is your unity. Now let's, let's do what God's word says in the book of Genesis. It says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. So I will make him a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the, the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken out of the man, from that he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, it is at last, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. And listen carefully to what the Lord says next. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become what? One flesh. One flesh. Now, stop right there for just a moment, and let's look at that most ancient story we're going to look at this series, the story between Adam and Eve. You know, this passage describes really the first marriage ever established. And so what's important about this story are really the words that God utters first right after creating this thing called marriage. Because it reveals to us God's highest priority or God's basic design for this thing called marriage. But it's also important to know what the Lord does not say right after creating marriage. You see, it doesn't say, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and then they shall experience romantic love. Or they shall experience euphoric sex. Or children. Or happiness. Or great vacations. Or financial stability. Listen, all those are byproducts of marriage, right? But it's, but it's important to know the first thing that God utters about marriage, and that is that they shall become one. That they shall be united. That they shall be indivisible. You see, marriage is the only relationship on earth where God unites two individual sinful people and brings them together and in a sense, tethers their soul to one another. 
And now they start functioning as one. They balance their strength and their weaknesses together. You see, unity, a way to describe it, is oneness of purpose. And so unity in a marriage can be thought of as really a shared vision that God has given every marriage, and that is that every marriage is to honor and glorify God by revealing the gospel, the relationship between Christ and the church. You see, the, 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 the gospel shows us that when we who were sinful, who were far from God, who didn't realize that because of our sin we were far from God and we needed a Savior, we put our faith in Christ, right? We put our faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And the Bible says that the moment that we put our faith in him, listen, we were now united to Christ. Give a very special thing. And so every marriage is meant to be a mini-drama, an imperfect, although, mini-drama of this relationship between Christ and the church and the unity that exists between us and the Lord. And so our unity reflects God and the gospel. But listen carefully. But when there is disunity, on the other hand, it actually reveals how far away you are from God in spiritual matters and in your character. And so the question that I want to pose for you today, is your marriage reflecting the unity that God envisioned for it? When your children look at you, do they see mom and dad together as one unit? When coworkers and church members and friends and family, when they see you, do they see you as almost operating in sync with each other? Because God's most highest priority and his basic component of marriage is this unity of these two souls. And so if that is God's highest priority, then listen, it only makes sense. In fact, write this down as big number two. That Satan's highest priority in your marriage, listen carefully, is your division. Is your division. You know, we see in the next chapter, chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, that after God declares them to be one, Adam and Eve, and the, Eve is tempted by Satan, right? She falls, she takes that fruit of that tree, we know that story. And eventually, right, he brings Adam with her, they fall together, and now they've sinned and rebelled against Almighty God. And so listen to what happens after they disobeyed God. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and the wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of your garden. And I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And then listen carefully what happens next. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of that fruit and I ate. Now family, 
Stop right there because this is monumental as it comes to the context of marriage. Because instead of Adam saying, God, me and her, we both sinned before you. We together rebelled against your word. Instead, what did she say? That woman that you gave me, that woman, she made me do this. So what do we see? We see now Adam start stepping away, distancing himself from who? From, from Eve. And then when God begins to address him and pronounce consequences and curses because of sin, he addresses Adam, but then he looks at Eve and listen to what he tells Eve. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And listen carefully here. Your desire shall be what? Contrary. Contrary to your husband. But he shall rule over you. See, in the original text, the phrase implies that there's something now in the woman that wants to overtake the man, that wants her desires, wants to be contrary to the man, opposite of really of what God designed. And so what do we see here? We're beginning to see division. We're, we're beginning to see rivalry, and it's a beginning of marital strife and division. And so they began to have a lot of the problems that we have today, you know, Eve got, started to get upset at Adam because he refused to throw out the garbage or clean out the garage. Adam began to get upset with Eve because she's spending too much money at the Eden Mall. Eve gets upset at Adam because he's insensitive after a long day's work in the garden. So imagine all these things unsaid, I'm sure it's starting to happen. And so Satan... God his way with Adam and Eve, especially when it came to their marriage, because he caused division in them. And even though this is an ancient story, listen, things are not much different today, are they? Because Satan, our enemy, is out to get every single marriage in this church, in this nation, in this city. And look, folks, the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that Satan, our enemy, right, comes only to steal and kill and what? And destroy. And so listen carefully. Satan's what main goal, when, it, when he looks at every single marriage in our church, his main goal right now is to somehow, some way, divide the marriages within our church. What God brought together, he wants to divide. And you know what? His tactics usually take place slowly over time. Slowly over time. Now think about it. How is it that two young people come before God on their wedding day? They stand before a pastor. And when the pastor asks a question, do you take uh, her or him to be your wedded wife, your spouse. They say, why are you asking me this? Of course, I love them. And then just a few years later, they're talking about divorce. How does that happen? Well, it's because it is gradual. For the most part, it's a gradual shift to that. And you see, Satan uses Every little opportunity 
in your life to cause division. So for example, first of all, the obvious point is that we are first divided by sin. Listen, whenever you sin against your spouse in any way, shape, or form, the ultimate consequence there in your marriage is that it's going to cause division. And you know what? Even when you commit a sin and your spouse doesn't even know about it, it's still causing division. So husbands, listen, when you look at pornography and, and, you don't, and your wife never knows about it, listen, this causing division in your marriage. It's causing int intimacy division. Why? Because now there's something that's different. You look at her a certain way, there's division that causes in your heart. And wives, listen, when you go around and you tell all your lady friends the bad things about your husband, and you slander him all the time, let me tell you something. You're causing division in your marriage. Because the truth of the matter is that, that all those ladies start egging you on. Oh, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And you know what? In the middle of those conversations, you know what happens? More and more division. Your, your husband may not know about it, but you know what? In your heart, you're more divided at the end of the conversation than before. Aren't you? And so listen, sin will always cause division in your marriage. We're also divided, listen, by mistakes. Listen, things happen in life, right? A spouse forgets to meet a deadline, to submit something, they break something by mistake. And here's what happens. In the middle of that, you think, well, I'm going to take a couple jabs at them because I want them to make, to feel bad about their mistake. And so you throw a couple jabs right after that mistake, and you think you're getting your way, but are you really getting, accomplishing your, your desire? No. With every jab, the enemy uses that jab to cause division in your marriage. Listen, we're also divided by disagreements. Listen, in marriage, there's going to be disagreements every day, Right? We have different views, all these different things, but here's what happens. Especially when it comes to finances, the kids, here's what happens. When you're debating about something, trying to figure out, somewhere along the line, you think, you know what, I'm going to raise my voice. And I'm going to say some harsh statements right here in this conversation because I want to get the upper hand in this debate and I want my will to be accomplished. And when that happens... You think you're getting an upper hand in, your, in that debate, but who's really getting the upper hand? Devil. The enemy. With every harsh word, with every single tone, listen, you are allowing the enemy to put a wedge of division. And even, listen, through, we're divided by high-stress situations, especially when it comes to children with health issues, with something about the future. You know, sometimes what happens is in those moments... We, we need to blow off some steam, right? Because it's stressful, there's, there's tension, there's concern. And so the easy thing is, well, I'm going to blow off some steam on my spouse. You know, I remember when, when Camila was just almost a newborn, like at 3 in the morning she would have these night terrors. And we had no clue that they were night terrors, but they were scary. And I remember in the middle of the night at 3 in the morning, Ashley and I blowing steam on each other. Why? Because these stressful situations lead you to that point. But here's what happens. When you blow off steam, when you go after your spouse, what's happening during those moments? Are you really blowing off steam? 
where you're giving a foothold to the devil to get into your marriage and begin to divide you. And so listen, you may think you're in control in those moments. You may think you're winning the argument, but you're not winning anything. What you're allowing is the enemy to come and start dividing your marriage. And here's what happens. One of the two things happen through the time. Either one, after a long time, either those two people get a divorce or they stay married but they're living as roommates. Sure, you haven't technically, you're still physically together, yes, but you're divided emotionally, you're divided spiritually. And family, here's why Satan is hell-bent on causing division in your marriage. You ready? Write this down as A and B. It's because division always brings pain to your marriage and division always brings pain to those around you. You know, since oneness is the core, of, right, of God's design, division in a marriage will always cause pain. You know, and a good example is that of the atom. And I've shared with you this example before. You know, the atom is the smallest matter known to man. It's known as the building blocks of life. And one atom is 10 million times smaller than the width of your hair. Think about that. How small an atom is. But here's what happens. When that tiny little atom experiences division of any kind, at that, most, at that moment it creates one of the most significant explosions known to man. And for me, the moment that happens, it starts consuming everything around that atom. And here's why. It's because the atom is not meant to experience division. And so the moment that that little seemingly harmless atom experiences something it's not supposed to experience, guess what? It causes a ripple effect and it destroys everything around it. And family, when it comes to marriage, sometimes we think that division in the little fights and the mistakes and all that, it causes no harm. But listen, it causes pain to your marriage. And it starts impacting everyone around you, especially your children. You know, going back to the book of Genesis, we see that there is division between Adam and Eve. But we also see that they had two boys, right? Cain and Abel. And if you follow the story in Genesis chapter 4, the very next chapter... We see that these two sons, who are supposed to be united, close to each other, loving each other, they come, they present an offering before God. God accepts Abel's, rejects Cain. And then, when they're out in the field, listen to what happens. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother. And what? Killed him. Killed him. And so what do we see? Let's look at bird's eye view. Chapter 2, we see bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I love her. She's the, I'm, we're one together, one flesh. Chapter 3, sin comes in, division happens. And chapter 4, their children are ex also experiencing division. You see what happens? It begins to have a ripple effect on everything around it. And you know what? Maybe you're here today at one of our campuses. Maybe you're watching online. And you kind of find yourself in this scenario. 
You're discouraged because you are not as close to your spouse as you once were. You know you're not as united as you should be. You're seeing your children begin to feel the impact in your family and the people around you. And the truth of the matter is that you may be sitting here at church today with a facade over you, but deep down you are discouraged. And let me tell you something. Raise your head, child of God. Because listen, even though you may not be discouraged, our God has not given up in your marriage. Can I get an amen to that? Listen, the Lord, you know, the Lord, we see that in the garden after sinning, who shows up in the middle of the mess? God did. God walked and his thought was, I'm going to help restore this. I'm going to help you move forward. And the same thing with you. Listen, it doesn't matter what you're experiencing right now. What fractured in the unity of your marriage you may be experiencing right now. Listen, God is a God who can restore. He can renew. He can unite. He can, he can do whatever he wants. If he is the God who turns water into wine, then surely he can restore your marriage. Do you believe that? And so let's listen. If you are here and you, your marriage is not where it should be, listen, be encouraged. The Lord is for you and he loves you. But family, let's be real as well. We need to do our part, right? And so that first step, listen, write this down as, as, as big number three. We need to make our marriages division proof. Amen. Division proof. And here's the first step. Write this down as letter A. The first step is that we need to unite in purpose. In purpose. You know, another way of putting it is that we need to align, you need to align the purpose of your marriage. You know, a while back, my, I was, I, when my car would go above a certain speed, my steering wheel began to shake, and my natural thought was that, well, my tires need to be changed. So I took my car to a tire place, and I said, hey, I just want to get four new tires. I, I want to replace them. But to my surprise, the mechanic told me, listen, you don't need to change your tires. What you need to change, what you need to address is the lack of alignment on the wheels. You see, even if I would have bought brand new tires and put them on that car, sooner or later, the same things were going to happen. You know why? Because I didn't address the alignment issue in my car. And folks, listen. There's a lot of marriages rattling and shaking. And sometimes the way, the, they think that just putting on a new set of tires is going to fix that marriage. Well, let's go on a date night. We've got to address our marriage. Well, let's go on a vacation, a long vacation. That will fix our marriage. I love this one. Let's have another child, another baby. That's going to fix our problems. And they're back to square one, still struggling. Why? Because they have not solved the basic problem that there is a lack of alignment in your marriage. And so you got to come together with your spouse and align to the purpose, the goal of your marriage. And you know what? Even if you agree on something, it doesn't mean that it's the right solution. You know why? Because just like in a car, think about this, just like in a car. You can align both wheels the wrong way, 
the moment you start going, it's going to go the wrong way, right? The wheels are aligned, but they're going the wrong way. Same thing with marriage. If you don't align to God's purposes, you can't expect your marriage to be restored, your marriage to be strengthened, your marriage to be healthy. You see, God's word says this, whatever you do, whatever you do in the context of marriage, do it to the what? To the glory of God. In other words, it has to be a moment that you have a conversation. Yeah, talk to each other. And you say, you know what? We've messed up in the past. Yes. But from now on, we are aligning our purposes, our goal. And our goal in whatever we do now is going to be one goal. It's not what you want. It's not what I want. It's what? What What God wants. What's going to bring him glory? What's going to honor the Lord? And so the first thing, listen, be careful. You may be trying to fix something in your marriage that won't fix your marriage. you got to go back to the basics and align the goal, the purpose of your marriage. And once that's addressed, write this down as letter B if you're taking notes. Then you need to unite in decision making. See, once you've agreed and you've had that conversation, right? Hey, everything we do is going to be for to honor God in our marriage. Then every decision... Everything you do, every disagreement, everything that takes place in a marriage ultimately comes back to what's going to honor God, to what's going to glorify the Lord. And so you start making every decision through that lens. And you know what's cool? Is that even when you're not with your spouse and you are by yourself doing something else, the agreement, right, the purpose, the unified purpose starts guiding your decisions. So, for example, if you're at the mall or the store and you want to buy something that's expensive and you know your spouse is not going to be happy, cause division, all these things, then don't buy that thing. If you're at work and there is a flirtatious coworker, listen, ask yourself, what's going to preserve unity and honor the Lord? It is not talking to them. It is running far, far away from them. Amen? Amen? And so listen, when you are unified, right, it controls every decision. Everything is put through that lens. And folks, listen, even when it comes to your children, when you and your spouse make a decision, your children should see a unified front making a decision. So often they think, well, Mom doesn't want to do this, but dad wants to do this, so we're going to do it. Listen, you may have your discussions behind closed doors, but when you come to your children, you act as a united front. You're one person married together. You act as a united front. Any other front, you're causing division in your children and in your home. And, you know, last week, even when their finances... You know, I, I heard Pastor Al Williams, we all love Pastor Al. He said last week that when his grandma was going to talk about something personal, she said, I'm going to get up in your kitchen. So you know what? I'm going to get up in your kitchen for just a moment when it comes to our finances. Because a lot of the issues that I see in, marri in marriages when it comes to finances is that a lot of them have separate bank accounts. God brought them together, their souls are tethered to each other, but yet they keep their money aside. And then there's a lot of issues as to look at what they're doing, they don't give, they don't do this. 
And so when you start thinking about if marriage is supposed to reflect the gospel, right, what do we see in the gospel? We see that when we came to know Christ as Savior, Scripture is very clear that we are now co-heirs with Christ. Everything that is of Christ now belongs to us. Here's what you don't see. Christ has his little inheritance over here, and the church, eh, they get some other stuff. They, they got to deal with their inheritance. That's what we don't see. We, don't, we see that when, when we came to Christ and we became united to Christ, listen, we are not co-heirs. We're together. Our eternal future are together. And so, family, the same way for us, I want to encourage you, listen, work as a team, as a unit when it comes to your finances. In my home, listen, the moment that me and Ashley got married, I went to the bank and I told them, listen, I don't want to see free checking account in the label of my bank, of my account. I had them change to, to say Gridley Family Checking. And here's why. It's because I wanted me to be reminded, and her as well, that every time we log on to our bank account, listen, it's a reminder, this is what God has provided for both of us as a family. That God has opened up his hand and provided for us. And you know what, even in our budget, you know, we have a little express, uh, ex, uh, Excel sheet. It doesn't say Omar's salary and Ashley's salary. It says God's provision. God's provision. Because it's always healthy to be reminded that whatever God gives us, so it doesn't matter who makes how much money, it's, both, it's for both of us. We're together in this. Amen? Amen? I know I got into your kitchen. We'll clean up later. But it needed to be said, all right? And here's the third thing. Write this down as letter C. We all need to unite in suffering and uncertainty. A family is a big one. So many couples come apart, especially during those hard moments, those trials, those disappointments. It has lasting effects. So family, you want to know how to stay united during those suffering, those, those moments of uncertainty? You want to find out? You, you ready? You got to come back next week for that. Oh, yeah. Because next week we're going to be looking at a story of Abraham and Sarah. And we're going to see how to stay trusting the Lord together even during the hardest moments in our lives. So be back for that, all right? And bring someone with you that needs to hear that. And so, family, let me just end with this. You know, a few weeks ago, we all witnessed what happened in Afghanistan. And family, aside from all the politics aside, you know I don't bring politics to this pulpit. This pulpit is holy for God's word. But just looking at what happened, was, it was very sad. You see, the leadership of that country was entrusted, get this, with $83 billion of military equipment. $83 billion. Folks, they were given everything necessary to stay united, to fight for their country. And even though they were afforded everything necessary, they didn't use the resources. They walked away. They let the enemy win. And now we know what took place in Afghanistan. And family, what an image of so many marriages. 
God has provided for each and every one of us all the resources for us to stay united and fight for our marriages. He's given to us His Word with words that only come from the inner depth of God, His wisdom, His knowledge, everything we need is in His Word. He's given to you pastors, all of our pastors, that we love you, that we're here to serve you. He's given you counselors in our church and Christian counselors outside of the church for you to get help, for you to get process things. And you know what he's also given? He's also given to you, listen, the people of God. You know, our couple small groups are such a critical part of who we are as a church. You know, every week these not perfect couples, but, they come, but they're pursuing Christ and they come together to study His Word, to study God's Word, to pray for each other, to laugh a little, to encourage each other. And so folks, that's why small groups for us here at CF are so important. And so I want to encourage you, listen, if you are a couple and you feel like, man, I would love to get into a small group, this weekend is Group Connect weekend. You've heard it already, but if you're interested, it's just very simple. You go to cfmiami.org slash groups, or you scan that code, fill out that form, and one from, someone from our team will follow up with you, and listen, we will help you find the right group for you. But God has given you all the resources necessary. Don't squander them. God is for you, and God is with you. And so here's what I want to end. I want to end today with a time of prayer. And I want to pray for three groups of people. In a few moments, I'm going to ask some of us to stand up, but wait for just a moment. The first group of people that I'm asking all campuses to stand up, the first group is going to be married couples that are here together. And when you stand up in a few moments, I want, when you stand up, I want you to hold their hand. You may not have held their hand for years now, but I want you to hold their hand as you stand up. We want to pray for you. If you are engaged and you're here today, I want you to stand up as well and hold their hand because, listen, we want to pray for you that as you enter into this marriage, that this concept of unity is, 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 is a priority. And if you're here and you are married but your spouse is not next to you, is not with you today, I want you to stand up too. Because whether they're far from God or close to God, I want to pray for you and your spouse that you all would pursue the Lord and that God would be at work in you, all right? So at all campuses, if you fall into one of those three, go ahead and stand up right now at all campuses. And listen, if you're not standing up, you have a role to play right now. And here's why. It's because the health of our church depends on the health of our marriages. A healthy church has healthy families. And healthy families have healthy marriages. And so if you're sitting down, you pray for them because the future of our church is at stake. Amen? And so let me pray for you before we conclude. My Lord, we come before you, O oh God. You are the promise keeper a way maker, a light in the darkness. And I want to pray for every single marriage right now at our campuses. Oh, Father, I pray that you would bless them. Oh, Father, I pray that through your spirit right now as they're holding hands, you unite them, oh, Lord. Unite them through your spirit, Lord, to accomplish the purposes that you've entrusted to them. Father, we pray right now for our engaged couples. Oh, Father, they have a long road ahead of them. But Father, we know that if they enter into marriage with that mind, with that mindset, Lord, you will bless that marriage. You will keep them together. And Father, we pray for those of us here today who are now with our spouse. 
Father, we pray that even if they're not here, we pray for them, oh Lord, that wherever they're at right now, that you would work in their heart and that together they would come together to live a life that glorifies you. So Father, we pray for a blessing, oh God, that you would strengthen the marriages through your spirit and may we as a church be able to reflect the glorious gospel, the relationship between Christ and the church so that we can live lives that glorify you. God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people say, amen. Hey, let's give a shout of praise to God because he's faithful, amen. What is that? I'm going to call all the campus pastors to the front. So yeah, be back next week. Bring someone with you. Last week we learned about evangelism. Bring someone with you because, listen, this is a transformational series. It's going to talk about a lot of different topics, but we're going to be blessed by it, all right? Well, CPs come up right now, and uh, God bless you. Have a great week.